This episode of the How of Car Washing is brought to you by SDI Conveyors. SDI Conveyors is the gold standard for belted conveyor systems for car washes. If you're considering a new car wash or if you're considering a major remodel and you'd like to put in a belt, you owe it yourself to look at the gold standard SDI conveyor systems. For more information, go to www.sticonveyor.com or contact them at 705-728-4868. Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Hello, Car Wash Nation. This is David Begin. Welcome to this episode of The How of Car Washing. I've got uh, my good friend now, Matt Brunk, who's become my friend, not my... Uh, not, not your employee. Not my trusted, <laughs> uh, not my trusted employee or manager. Uh, so, uh, Matt, thanks for doing this again. This is one yeah. thing we want to do before the transaction took place, but we didn't get a chance to, so... Your current title, district manager, yeah. uh, is it safe to say Car Wash USA? Yeah. Okay. Car Wash USA Express, district manager. Okay, yeah. good, good. So you, uh, you've you taken on more responsibility than you had with me. You've got five or six washes now? Yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. good, good. So you've had to learn how to kind of deal on a level, a level or a scale that maybe you didn't have to with me. So, yeah. you know, we, we talked about when you're hiring people, right? When you want to take somebody who's a you know, a great tunnel loader. So mm-hmm. what are the characteristics of a good tunnel loader? What's a good characteristic of an employee? Mm-hmm. We typically want to promote them. Mm-hmm. So you now go from taking them from their role where they're pretty much told what to do, where now you're going to give them responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to, you know, ask other people to do things. And, you know, now they've got responsibility for two or three or four other people right. or more. If they're, if they're going to be a site manager, you know, we talked about one of the big challenges in car washing is we're asking people to do a lot. We're asking them to have a pretty broad skill set. Yeah. Yeah. You do have to have a a broad skill set and that's, and that's why I try to break it down into categories for them. So, um, but attitude is one of the biggest ones. Like if you have a good attitude, I will train you how to do anything. Yeah. Like I can show you anything you need to know. I will drag you along for that process um, because you have a good attitude and you're willing to learn it. So um, I, you got to look at that. If you have somebody that, you know, is just there to do, to just do the job and go home and, you know, they're just, they're, they're not looking for the next step. Then that's not the person you want to try to promote. And I don't care how good at working on equipment they are. It doesn't yeah. matter to me. Yeah. You know, like, oh, they're really good at changing hydraulic motors or whatever, you know, like they're really good at this and that. They can do plumbing. I don't care if they have a bad attitude, yeah. you know, because then I can't train them on the other things. Yeah. So that that's one of the biggest things. But you, you just have to have a structure. So when I evaluate somebody, say, are they good with people, right? Okay. Are they good Are they good at talking to people, having interactions with people? Are they polite to other people? Are they approachable? Um, are they good with customers? Same thing. Are they approachable with customers, polite with customers? Are they good under pressure? If you can do those two things, I can show you how to do equipment. So, so you, you would say if somebody's good with people, they're probably good with both customers and employees. Yeah. Typically that's what I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the, the three characteristics, right. You want to look for, are they good? You want to train them to be a good manager. Mm -hmm. So you got to teach them management skills. Yes, you do. And then they've got to be good with customers. Yep. Which means they've got to be able to deal with irrational Individuals, yes, and then 
they've got to be good with equipment. So they've got to be good with equipment. They got to understand equipment. They got to understand yeah. how it works. They got to understand what, what to do when it doesn't work. And the fourth thing is computer skills. Right. You yeah, know? that's huge. Admin, but, computer. Yeah. So we yeah. get people in that don't have computer skills. They don't. No. Um, and that's something that I can train. I can pretty much teach anybody how to do anything I need them to do on a computer. Um, but it's some, it's sometimes it's, it takes a long time. Yeah. So but I, I would much rather do that than have somebody that has a bad attitude, um, out there getting into it with a customer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> and we've had that before. Yeah. Everybody has that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so attitude is like the, the first thing I used to have a manager a long time ago who, um, said hire the attitude and train the skill. And I've always lived by that. Cause I think that's what you do because if you hire somebody with a great attitude that wants to learn, that's open, that has the coachability quotient, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then, then, and you can coach them and develop them. You can train them how to do anything you need them to do for the most part. And sometimes it takes a long time, but, but then you get buy-in, right? They, you've developed them over a certain time period. They're bought into the company. They're not going anywhere. You know, they want to learn. That's what you got to look for. Yeah. And so were you able to ever turn somebody's attitude? Um, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, it, it's, it's an expectation thing. You know, you have to set the expectation and then they have to meet it or they don't. Right. Like Chris Blackie always said, it's, it's up to them to change their behavior. It's not up to you. So you hold them accountable. And I would say, you know, maybe one out of 10 people that have a bad attitude, turn it around. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's just from my personal experience. And, and that statement that Chris made was so freeing to me to Isn't realize it, it was not my responsibility. <laughs> yeah, it's not it your, your job to fix somebody with a bad attitude. You set, <sighs> just, you set the expectations, the rules, whatever. And it's their job to change their behavior and meet those expectations. And if they don't, then they don't work for us. Yeah. Or you start the disciplinary <sighs> process with them. And it is freeing to think about that where you say, this is, this is what's going to happen. You got to do this. If you don't do it, here's, here's the consequence, right? Now it's on the balls in your court. It's not my job to change you. It's your job to change you. I, I don't have to do that. Yeah. And that was so freeing that, that was like a, that, that you, you can't believe the difference that made for me as an owner. Yeah. Understanding that, that it wasn't my responsibility to change somebody's attitude. Yeah. And, uh, and the other thing, uh, uh, Chris's, friend and mentor Brooke Castillo taught me was it's not your job's job to make you happy. <laughs> That's you know? true. And, yeah. and a lot of us go into work thinking, oh, you know, I should feel totally fulfilled and, and self-actualized and this should be the greatest thing on, on work. It's, it's work, right? And, yeah. and people have to bring their attitude toward the job. You have the same job, two different people. You've got a Stefan Mm-hmm. which treats it as his personal calling from God yeah. to take care of people, yeah. right? And then you've got other guys that just absolutely are going to hate it, right? Yeah. Because they don't want to be in the tunnel. They don't like customers. They don't, you know, it's too wet. It's too cold. You know, they're going to come up with a thousand reasons. Exact mm-hmm. same job. It's just how people approach it. Absolutely. People want the job to cater to them. Yeah. 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 You should change this job for me so that I feel comfortable and that I'm meeting expectations. Oh, I was going to ask you that. So when, what typically happens when somebody goes off the rails, right? And they're probably not going to work out. What are some Uh of the things? It doesn't happen the first week, typically, or the first second week. It usually doesn't, no. Yeah. Yeah. 
when does it start happening and then what happens? Um, people start to get comfortable, I think, three to six weeks in okay. um, in their behaviors that you are allowing. So you're okay. allowing them to um, do certain things in that. So basically, your first few weeks, you're getting trained how to do, especially tunnel loader, right? By the, by the end of three weeks, you're going to be loading in cars by yourself in the tunnel. Yeah. Right? So what habits did you allow in the first three weeks that are going to determine how they are, you know? And so then they start to get comfortable after three weeks. Well, you know, they told me I have to load with two hands, but they never, they never enforce that. So I'll just, I'll just load with one hand. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, so if you're not enforcing the expectations at the very beginning, they get into these, um, behaviors that are bad behaviors, like bad learned behaviors where they're kind of just doing whatever they want when you're not around because you never enforced it to begin with. And, um, you you can typically, you know, if, if I come into the tunnel and I see somebody loading bad after a month, I'm like, first of all, we probably did something wrong. But second of all, you know, is this person going to turn around? Are they going to change? I don't know. They've already gotten to bad habits. So what was interesting is I would get frustrated when I came into the tunnel and somebody wasn't loading correctly and I tried to correct them, which is probably the wrong thing. But what was interesting is I had a certain set of expectations, but maybe the site manager that was running the wash didn't have a set of expectations. Yeah. So how how do you deal with that? Because I tell you what, Having you as a buffer made a big difference for me because I want to, like I told you, I'm hiring you because I want to be the happy old owner that comes in and (laughs) shakes everybody's hands, talk about what a great job. And I leave, right? And then I'm going to get mad at you. I'm going to call you up. But I think that's important. Uh, You know, higher level management or owners, when they come in, if they see something they don't like, I wouldn't necessarily say they should address it with the employee on site. I would say you talk to a district manager, operations manager, site manager, you talk to that person, you address it with them. And and, and you set the expectation of what you think they need to do about it. Yeah. And then yeah. what was horrible is people would say, well, David saw that you weren't loading correctly. That's what they would yeah. say. And I'm like, do not do that. Yeah, do not do that. This, first of all, that's cutting your legs out from under you as a manager. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm not responsible for this, but you know, David told me that you weren't doing this. Yeah. I've had that told straight to my face. Well, I'm not going to do that, but if that's how you feel, you can do it. It's like, no, that's not how this works. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So there, so, so people are watching, you know, they're watching, they're observing. Mm -hmm. It's a natural tendency to, to say, what can I get away with? Yes. Because they, 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 you've got, you've got the job and you've got expectations. They now see the job and they've got a set of expectations for the job. And then there's that natural battle that sort of takes place with most people that say, I want to turn your job and I want to make it my job. Yep. Is that, is, is that how it typically rolls? Yes, absolutely. And you have to be there to help move them in the right direction. You know, so you've got to, it's really just about having a firm hand sometimes, putting your foot down and saying, look, this is the job. We're not going to change it for you. This is the expectation. You can either meet the expectation. If you don't meet the expectation, we're going to start the disciplinary process. We're going to give you a chance to change your behavior. But at the end of this, if you don't, then you're not going to work for us. And if they know that, you have to tell them that right away. If they know that, then they either will change or they won't. And that's not up to you. That's up to them. And, and one thing you did a good job of is establishing the expectations and managing toward the expectations. Yeah. And be, because I wasn't on site all the time, 
it was very difficult for me to play that role. And it wasn't a role right. I was good at playing, but, but you set the expectations and people knew, you know, they, they believed you that if they weren't going to change the way they did things that, mm-hmm. you know, they probably weren't going to continue working for us. Yeah. And at some point, most of those people left and we were left with people that wanted to follow the expectations and wanted to do well. And that's why turnover went down and everything started running smooth. Yeah. So what was, okay. So you get into that place, let's say three to six weeks, people start developing their own version of the job. Yeah. How many of those people, I mean, does everybody do that? Do you think everybody wants to kind of develop their own version of the job? I, I would say, I mean, it's a coin toss really. Honestly, it's probably a 50, 50 chance, but um, a lot of, you know, you, you can kind of tell the people that are going to do that. If people have a lot of questions for you, even, you know, in the three to six week period, Hey, am I doing this right? Did you see that? I, I saw you stop in the other day. Was there anything I need to work on? Those are the people you keep. Those are the coachable people. Those are the people that want to do it right. Okay. You know, and if, and if they're not doing that, then, and, and you see them doing things already that they have been not been trained to do, right? Like they're they're adding stuff to the job or taking stuff away from the job. You see that and they don't talk to you about it and they're not really interested in talking to you about it, then they might not be a good fit for the team. Yeah. So I would say, you know, if, if people are constantly coming to you and asking you questions and, and saying, how do I do this? How do I do that? What's the policy for this and that? Like, I just want to do the right things. You got, that's, that's a great person to keep on your team. Right. Yeah, and I have managers right now that, drive me up the wall with that, but I'll never get rid of them because of it. You yeah. know what I mean? Okay, good, good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we've gone over this like 10 times, man. But oh, I just want to make sure I got it right. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll cover it again. So when when are you able to kind of ascertain when somebody's probably not going to work out? I would say in the first week, I can typically say, eh, that, that person's not going to really work out. They're really? Not with, with, in, with, like, with culture. With, within a week. Yeah, as as far as like uh, CSA, I would say you know tunnel loading. I I can I can typically pick that out if I work with them for a few days. Like, you know, they've already I've told this guy ten times already that he can't do that, and he's still doing it. And it's we're on you know his this is his third day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, all right. You know, so they but, yeah. So so people want to kind of implement their version of work mm-hmm. a lot of times, and yeah. And I think when you have good structure, good expectations, I think that does make a big difference in letting yeah. people know that we're just not going to tolerate it. But what, what are some of the benefits for the other employees when you don't, oh God. when you don't tolerate other those employees things? love it. Yeah. Other employees love it. If the culture is accountability and, um, you know, we have high expectations here, we meet those high expectations, you know, we're the best at this. And then so-and-so comes in, he's only been here for a week or two, and he's not hes not really a part of the team, right? Because he's not doing the things he's supposed to be doing, or he's, he's causing trouble already or whatever. And you ha- you kind of have that group mentality of, this guy doesn't really fit into our culture, you know? So I would say you just have to look at those things, um, and the employees will tell you. The, the managers will tell you, the employees will tell you. I mean, I've heard it. I've literally heard... Um, I can't remember, I, I don't want to name any names, but, <laughs> but a manager walked up to me after a guy had been there for two days and said, I, I guarantee you this guy won't be here next week. And he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So what, they kind of know. Was he wasn't cause he didn't show up or he got, he got, ready. um, so they were just holding him accountable to do the job the way they want the, the way we want the job done. And he wasn't, 
he wasn't really into it, you yeah. know? So, um, they're constantly calling them out like, Hey, that's not how we trained you to do this. You're doing that wrong. And, um, you know, you're not meeting the expectation for this. And so, you know, by the second week he had quit, he wow. just stopped showing up to work because, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't allowed to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. You know? Interesting. So, Though that, that's a great definition of culture, good culture, right? Where the culture fixes the situation. Yeah itself yeah. Or, yeah. or maybe you don't even have to get involved yeah and with that one i didn't but, but i didn't have to get involved that's perfect <laughs> everybody everybody knows hey this guy's not going to work out because he's not up to our standards yeah and i think the other benefit we saw was great teamwork so i you know oh, for yeah. the first time in 10 years or 11 years you know I, I was seeing people work together as a team and that was always kind of frustrating for me because right. we had the morning shift and the morning shift would leave a lot of garbage for the afternoon shift. The afternoon yeah. shift wouldn't do what they needed to do for the morning shift. And there was a lot of bickering back and forth and infighting yeah. and complaining and finger pointing. But, you know, I, I believe we kind of got to the point where these people are all working together in, yeah. in a great, great way. Yeah. I think cross training and um, it, uh, the expectation of all the managers have to work different shifts. You can't just have a guy that gets to work five days a week in the morning and a guy that gets to work five days a week at night, like those guys need to change, uh, shifts, especially management and, and everybody needs to be cross-trained. Like if so-and-so works in the morning, they should still know how to close. They should know all the expectations of closing. Right. So when they come in, they know if something wasn't done right or wrong and they can talk to a person about that. I like, I like to tell employees to talk to other employees. Hey, so-and-so did this or that. I'm like, okay, did you talk to him about it? Well, no, I'm telling you. I don't know why you're talking to me about it when you haven't talked to them about it yet. <laughs> okay. I'm not just going to jump in there and, you know, and, and try and coach this guy when you haven't even brought it to his attention. He might not even know he was doing anything wrong yet at this point, you know? So why don't you guys talk it out? And if you can't figure it out, you let me know and we'll talk about it together. Yeah. Good. So, but yeah, I think, I think cross training and, uh, it, the expectation that managers don't get to work a specific shift on a regular basis. They all need to change shifts. They, they need to work mids. They need to open. They need to close, whatever. And that way they're not building this uh, me versus them type of attitude. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That night shift versus day shift. Yeah. I, I love to see the team work together. I think yeah. to me, it's just, boy, I just, that, that was my dream would have these day. Hey, you guys are responsible. You guys figure it out. And yeah. You know, we saw those teams start developing, evolving. We saw the, the culture develop of high standards. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, the ability to say this guy doesn't fit. You yeah. Know? And the one thing I'll kind of leave this with, and I'm going to ask you a few questions, is, you know, one of the biggest fears I always had is if you, anytime you let your standards or your expectations drop a little bit, you know what? We, we don't, I don't want to hire somebody right now. Um, you know, so, so I'm just going to let this go. Mm -hmm. And now that became your standard. And then we kept doing it to the point where we had very little to no standards. And when you came in, you, you had to really push to get those standards pretty high mm -hmm. in the organization. But um, that fear of not being able to find somebody else to replace this person, whether they're a tunnel loader, whether they're a yeah. shift leader or whether they're a site manager. I don't live by that at all. That's and, and, not even on my radar. And I think that made the difference, right? Yeah. When when you had the confidence to know you can replace anybody in the organization, mm -hmm. that made the difference and gave you the confidence to create the standards and expectations that Absolutely. you wanted. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you live by that, you got to get rid of it. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't work 
that doesn't work nowadays. Yeah. You know, so you, you, and I don't know if it ever worked, but. No, it does. It absolutely yeah. did work. But that was always my fear because I had to put a lot of time into something that I, you know, maybe I should have been the HR guy from, from the get go, or maybe I should have hired an operations manager from the get go. But, you know, I, I always had that fear of, boy, if I lose this site manager, mm-hmm. my life's going to be miserable for the next three to six months mm-hmm. because I'm going to have to spend all my time with them. Yeah. And then I look at it, wow, if that person leaves because they're not meeting expectations, then I I have now gained the ability to hire a new person that I want and set the expectations from day one and watch them excel. That's yeah. my attitude. And that's perfect. <laughs> and that's exactly what you need. So yeah. if you're not an owner or a site, if you don't have that mindset, get somebody that does. Right. You absolutely have to. But it, it made all the difference for us, you know, in, in how we operated the car wash. This episode of The How of Car Washing is brought to you by STI. STI designs, manufactures, and installs complete belt conveyor systems. Their systems are built for the harshest and most demanding of conditions. Delivering consistent quality and value, an STI belt conveyor will keep your wash operating at its peak potential for years to come. If you have any questions about how an STI belt conveyor could fit into your upcoming project or your existing operations, just give STI a call at 705-728-4868. That's 705-728-4868. Or visit their website at sticonveyor.com. What's the one takeaway you want to give our listeners come up with a structure on how to evaluate people and, uh, come up with a, a, a team development strategy as well. So, you know, from day one to day 1 million, like okay. what are we working on? Right. So, uh, how do we interview? How do we onboard? How do we train? Uh, how do we promote? How do we develop that whole process? And that's, you know, I, I talk about it all the time because that's what I would study in college and that's what I have been doing a lot of my career, but the people development is the most important thing you can do because your human resources are the most important resource for your company. Right. So figure out a way, you know, and even if it's something super simple of, you know, we do six month evaluations and we set goals and then if they meet the goals, then we give them a raise or whatever you want to do, it's up to you. And there's tons of info out there. You can find it anywhere about, um, team development strategies. So how do you hire? How do you train? How do you hold people accountable? How do you develop people to the next level? Right. And then so. how to how to delegate some of that to your managers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your manager should be doing it. I mean, at at some <laughs> point at at a higher level, you should be working with just the site managers on their development and then they should be working on the rest of their team's development. So one of the one of the things that I I just put in place this week with a site manager, one of my newer site managers, he's not a new one, but he's new to me, right? Yeah. Is I said, I want in the next two weeks, I want three big goals for the rest of the year for everyone on your management team. And then the person that's the next person to be on your management team. So the the next guy you're developing to be a shift leader, I want three goals for him too. So I need goals for everyone on the management team, three significant things that that they're going to work on. You're going to work on, you know, or I can work on it with them too whatever for the next for the rest of the year for the last quarter what are they going to get done what are they going to learn what are they going to fit you know what are they going to uh hold people accountable to whatever just something development 
right? So it's, oh, well, so-and-so needs to learn how to flip the chain, um, you know, and that's maybe not that going to be on that list, but just, just, just an example of, you know, I want, I want this person to know how to do this. I want them to know how to do that, you know, so have an idea of how, how we're going to develop this person, you know, and, and just me saying that gets, gets the gears moving in the site manager's head. Well, what do they need to be trained on? What, what would make them better? You know, and that's what I want. I want the gears moving. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to develop your farm club, I think is really important. Farm club? Yeah. You have to explain this to me. So in baseball, right? Okay. So when you have a triple A team, like in Colorado Springs, we used to have the Sky, Sky Sox, Sox yeah. right? Yeah. They were a farm club for the Rockies. Gotcha. I know what you mean. Okay. okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So they're your bench. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have a bench. You have to have yeah, a bench. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So you always ought to be looking for the next person that you plan to promote. And it can oh, be yeah. tough for like site manager, right? If you identify somebody who's got the possibility to be a site manager, but it's much better to train them in place. And, mm -hmm. you know, a friend of mine, Chris Pressfield, you know, uses the term MIT management manager in training. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've got an MIT program. Mm -hmm. He really focuses on creating an MIT program yeah. uh, for people that think they want to be a manager. Yeah. That should be a part of your team development program is who's the next manager. How do we train them? What's the expectations to train them? You know, is it a two month process? Is it a 10 month process? You know, whatever. Yeah. So, and so if somebody's thinking about hiring an operations manager, what do you think? I mean, obviously you having an HR background was a huge benefit to me right. to fill in what I, I think that's got to be one of the things you've certainly have to look at is they have to have a great attitude and they have to be good with people. Okay. You know, it don't just hire somebody cause they're good with equipment. I don't care about that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Like if you want to hire a, a, a maintenance tech, hire a maintenance tech. Yeah. You know, um, if you want to hire somebody that's going to develop your team and make you a better organization, you have to hire somebody that's good at that. Yeah. So that's what you want to look for. So good, good with people, but how much of an HR background do you think is important? Because I mean, it's obviously it's paid off for us right? because of just your training and your experience. I would say they need to have at least a few years of at least site manager level type of um, training. Um, if they have office admin training, things like that, um, then I would, you know, anybody who's had any training in team development or, you know, an HR background to an extent, it doesn't have to be lengthy, you know, maybe they don't even need to have a degree in it. You know what I mean? I could, I could tell you, I could pluck general managers that I know that have never been to college that would make an amazing operations managers because they're great with their people. Okay. That's why they're successful. Okay. You know so, what I mean? so the, the people skills. So out of all the skills we talked about, maintenance, computer, customers, managing. Yeah. I would say, I would say people development okay. is, is the most important. So people that are people focused and, yes. you, and you, you, you can find the maintenance people. Yeah. If you need to, or you, I mean, I, I trained how to be, I mean, I can do a lot of stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't have a car wash maintenance background, but I can, almost do anything now what, what, to what, an extent. Would it, safe to be, would it be safe to say that you had a mechanical, you have a mechanical aptitude? Yeah. Yeah, I did because, you know, I like working on my own cars, like souping up my car, changing oil, changing brakes, all that kind of stuff. Like I don't have a problem doing any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say, you know, and, and I had a background, I worked in a plant, you know, for a uniform company when I had to learn all of their equipment and how to fix some of that equipment and stuff like that. So I did have like in a background in it to an extent, but it was like, you know, not, not very big. Yeah. It wasn't like I could just walk in and figure out how to rebuild a pump. 
Okay. You know, I mean, I could, but so what, how. what would you say about me and my mechanical aptitude? I mean, I'm just curious from your perspective. Would you think I had it, didn't have it, or you definitely have it? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you. I would say you're like a knowledge base for that kind of stuff. You you are like the book to go to sometimes that that teaches somebody how to do something. I mean, you never physically, I think, trained me how to do something with your hands, but you've mentally trained me how to do something. Okay. And you say, here's the 10 things you need to do to do that. And I write it down, and you're typically always right. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if I just got that through experience. I mean, I, I think I understand systems. I think I had kind of an aptitude to understand how things work. Yeah. And I had a curiosity which, which I think is another big part. If you're going to be mechanically apt, if you're going to have that aptitude, you got to be curious yes, about equipment. That's a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. You got to be curious on how it works. Yeah, and how it works, and then you can kind of figure out how. So I was curious on how things worked. I always had that curiosity. Right. And I think you know, I think a lot of people that get into the car wash business sort of have that. They, they they like equipment. They like to see equipment work, and yeah, they like to see that's processes true. work. Yeah, absolutely. But um, but. Do we, do you have customer service people that don't have a mechanical background or aptitude? And, Absolutely. And you think that's okay? That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. To 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 a certain extent, when you get higher up on the management tree, you need to definitely have a, a pretty high mechanical aptitude. You know, you need to be able to explain to a maintenance person what's going on, or explain to your supervisor what's going on, why you need to purchase an item. You know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. And so, do you, do you still get your hands dirty? You did a lot when. You, you did a lot when you worked for me because, mm-hmm. well, you needed to to kind of figure it out and learn yeah. it. And we had guys that had varying level of mechanical aptitude right? as well. Uh, hands dirty, God. Yes, <laughs> yes and no. Um, to an extent, but mostly no right now. Yeah. So I, the, the advantage where you're at now, you have a maintenance team. We do, yes. Yeah, and we didn't have one where maybe we should have started thinking about getting one. But I think it is an awful lot to ask for somebody to have all those capabilities. So it's hard to find somebody that is going to be good at all of those and has a great attitude all the time, and you know what I mean. Super yeah. curious. So, um, but if you find that person and they just don't know how to do equipment, you need to keep them and train them how to do equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and or get get somebody to work for you that does, and maybe they're a tunnel loader and they specialize in equipment and maintenance. And yeah. That's what they like doing. Yeah, so, exactly. But I want everybody, I, it was always my goal for everybody to have some mechanical aptitude because I thought that would kind of keep the car wash b- industry interesting to them. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, if it's just, if you're just loading cars all day, I mean, some people yeah. can do that, but most people can't. So they've got to have other things to kind of pique their interest. And yeah. I always looked at the mechanical aspect of the car wash as something to kind of keep people interested and allow them to grow and get better at what they do. Yeah. And that's true. I know I always had that curiosity. I'm the kind of guy who works five hours after my shift to just to prove I can figure something out. <laughs> like, like I you know I'm going to figure this out eventually. <laughs> you, were, you were stubborn at all that. Yeah. So good. So guess what, Matt, we just took a subject that we were going to talk five minutes on. Oh no. And didn't we did it for forever. about an hour <laughs> and we didn't even get to the subject we were going to talk about. Which is okay. Yeah, that's fine. We can do that later. But this is a great discussion because it's a great debrief for me, and I think it's going to help a lot of people out there who listen to this podcast to understand that you can, you know, you can have a great culture. You can develop employees, and those things do have tangible benefits to your operation, to your car count, to your overall culture, to how the customers— 
you know, how customers perceive your wash, you know? So we always mm-hmm. get a lot of great comments. Oh, we got great employees, right? Yeah. I hear that a lot. Um, yeah. You know, some that don't, but the vast majority of them love the customer service, love coming, right? And, right. And as we always say, people wash their cars for all types of different reasons. Many of them are not because their car is dirty. Yeah, you that's know, true. <laughs> because they want to feel better. And to take my vehicle and wash it, I always yeah. feel better after I clean my car. You know, we were up in the mountains this weekend, and I brought my I had a bunch of bugs on my car. Yeah. I went through yesterday. I felt so much better when my car was clean. And, right. and everybody has that psychological lift after they yeah. wash their car. That's why you see those cars come in. They're typically club members, right? So it's yeah. not costing them anymore. But, you know, how many cars do we see come through the tunnel that are clean? A lot. A lot, right? Yeah, and, they just have a little couple specks on them. Yeah, and so like they're, they're not washing their car because yeah. it's dirty. Yeah. And so when you understand that as a manager or as an owner, that people wash their car for other reasons besides, you know, the fact it's dirty, that's what really makes... You know, and then you tap into that, and you say, "How yeah. do how do I create an organization that serves that?" Yeah, and it's it's the same thing with working at a place that you maintain and keep clean. Yeah, it's a sense of pride. It's it's that the culture of the place is no, we don't do that here. We keep this clean. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and people take that and kind of run with it. And it's the same thing with your car, right? It's a sense of pride, like oh, it's nice and clean or, or just made me feel better going through and getting a couple bugs off or or I love this place and I love Stefan, so I'm just going to stop by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want Stefan in the tunnel that I go through. So Yeah. Great, awesome. So if people want to reach out to you, what's your new email address? Uh, it's Matt Brunk, so M-A-T-T-B-R-U-N-K at carwashexpress.com. Okay, perfect, because I'm shutting your other email off. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's still going for now, so... Good deal. Matt, thank you so much. Great discussion. I love doing this. This was fun and love visiting uh, how things were. And hopefully people got some benefit. And uh, if you have any questions, reach out to Matt. So thank you so much for joining this episode of The How of Car Washing. You can go to our website, thehowofcarwashing.com. We'd love you to leave a comment, if you will. Give us some ideas on, um, you know, future episodes. If you got people you think we ought to interview, we'd love to do that. And, uh, you know, you can also... Leave a comment on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast. I don't know. We're on a bunch of bunch of them now, so <laughs> you you should be able to find us. But if you can't, go to our website. You can listen to it on your on the website at thehowofcarwashing.com. So thanks so much. This is David Begin. We'll catch you next time on the How of Car Washing. And once again, thanks to our sponsor for this podcast, STI Conveyor Systems. STI Conveyor Systems is the gold standard in belted conveyor systems for car washing. For more information, go to sdiconveyor.com or contact them at 705-728-4868. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.